few weeks ago, I was making a guest appearance on News Talk. I was being interviewed by Anton Savage on Saturday mornings. Anton is fantastic and it was great crack. I have to say, we were talking about my blue tits and other things. Anyway, while I was there waiting to go on air in the canteen having a cup of coffee, I met a gentleman by the name of Ken Norton. Who is Ken Norton? Did I mean Graham Norton? No, Ken Norton is the secretary of the Federation of Irish Beekeepers Associations. And you know, for years and years and years, we had the late Philip McCabe on here talking about bees, and he was just terrific. But Ken is also terrific, I have to say. Now, I was chatting to Ken about flowering plants and which are the best ones for pollinators. And I said to him, then, you must come on the programme. And he said, I will. And he's about to appear in just a moment. But in the meantime, because that was a few weeks ago, people were asking me about swarming bees. And I don't know an awful lot about swarming bees, but Ken does. So he joins us now from his home in Caloocan in County Westmeath. Hi, Ken. Hello, Derek. How are you? Great, Ken. Great. Why do bees swarm? Bees are swarming because it's it's lack of management from the beekeeper. Oh dear. Number one reason why the bees swarming is they're congested in the boxes, in the hives, and they've no room. So naturally enough, if we get married and we're living in a one-bedroom apartment, all of a sudden then a set of twins come along or whatever, we need more space. So if we don't have it, somebody has to get out. Either you get out or the wife gets out or the two kids get out or whatever. And it's basically the same with the beehives. So they need to have plenty of space so as they can expand. So if they run out of space, then that's the number one reason why they will swarm. And that's what happens. And then, of course, people are getting stung, all sorts of things, which doesn't help the beekeeping craft either, you see. That's the bother. So it's So it's what's really your advice to knowledge. people if they come across a swarm or if a swarm comes across them... What do they do? Well, if they come across a swarm, like initially what they can do is if they know a beekeeper in their area, they can contact him. If not, they can go on to our own website, irishbeekeeping.ie. So we will put them in contact with a, a local beekeeper there who, who more than likely will go out and take away the bees. However, over the last couple of years, due to insurance, Beekeepers will no longer be climbing up on people's property or up to take bees out of a chimney mm. or take them out of the eaves or under slates because there's always the possibility that it's great when you go out, you take away the bees for them. They're lovely with you. They might give you a cup of coffee or whatever. So you're heading off and then six months later then you might get a call from them. Do you remember you came out to take away bees there before? Now my roof is leaking. So that's your other problem. So you have to be very careful. So what's that so got to we... do with you if the roof is leaking? Well, you see, we would have removed the slates to take the bees out. And you didn't put see. the slates back? Oh, we put the slates put back. It your fault. <laughs> so basically, what we... <laughs> so what we do now is we would ask them if they are. See, people start to get this idea like, uh, oh, the bees, I can see them going in and out. They're in under a slate. It'll be very handy to get them. And I say, listen, missus, you know, like we live in a house. Now we go in the hall door. That's not where we live. We've other rooms inside. So it would be, be the same with the bees. Although they're going in under a slate, they could be in 20 or 30 foot. So you may have to remove several slates to get the bees out. That's the thing of it. So we normally say now, well, we'll have a quick look, see what's the story, where they are. If they're well in, we would ask that you get a builder there to take the slates off. We'll take the bees out. And then when we're finished, he can put the slates back. Now, Ken, what builder's going to get onto a roof and remove slates knowing 
There's a hive of bees inside there. Well, we can talk them out in the bee suit, or we can get you along if you want to. Oh, no, no, no. I did that with <laughs> Philip once and never again. And a cherry picker up in Dundalk or oh, Drogheda, yeah, I can't no remember. Problem, yeah. Never yeah, no again. Problem. And I had the sheriff's no suit problem. on and everything. I got the fright of my life. It's yeah. scary business. Right. I'm terrified and, of bees. And, and I'm uh, sure most people are. Well, you see, basically what happens with the bees, you see, bees are a, are a very clever little insect in so much as they're a bit like horses and dogs. So, like, if you're walking down the road and you're sort of scared of the neighbour's dog, he may be, he will play up on you because he knows you have this, he can sense it. He can get the scent of you, like a bit of fear. And the same with a horse. So if you go near horses or dogs and you're afraid of them, they will play, up, play act up on you. And it's exactly the same as bees. As the T-shirt says, stay calm and keep going. Anyway, exactly. listen, I was on Cape Clear recently making a television programme for RTE called The Summer Show with Nuala Carey. And it seems that most people on the island now are actually growing lavender in fields. They're producing lavender ice cream, lavender gin, lavender soap, etc, etc. Lavender, lavender, OK? And the last time I met you, you told me that one of the best plants for bees is lavender. Now, the lavender, you see, basically what happens with the lavender, like I would use, and then a lot of other beekeepers would use, lavender in their smoker. Now, like, as far as I'm concerned, as I always say to people, it's not a rock concert we're at, so don't keep squirting the the goodness out of your smoker. Just have it puffing away there. Show it about a third, a third of your hand of lavender into the smoker, and it'll calm you down as well. It'll calm the bees down as well. The bees will be much more relaxed. So, so don't just stand there and squirt it straight into their face. You can just drift a, a couple of puffs of the smoke across. Now, always remember, as I say to people, the smoker's only a deterrent to keep the bees calm if they get out of hand. Now, that's enough. If we're outside and someone's having a cigarette, we can probably get away with it. But if they're puffing the smoky into our face continually, we will lose the head. And it's exactly the same with the little bees. So you just drift it across. So the lavender then will calm the bees down. As I say to beekeepers, if you use enough, it'll calm you down as well. So leading on from that, yeah. the main, apart from mankind, as I say, the, the next worst enemy then of the bee is a little mite called a varroa mite, mm -hmm. which lives on the back of the bee. So that'll be there for several months. Now, number one, we've no control over we, where our bees will go. So when they go out, if they get on lavender, this little varroa hates the scent of the lavender and it will fall off while the, while the bee is out foraging or bringing in nectar or pollen. So also in the hive then, I would use, when the lavender's in bloom, I would use several strips of this lavender put in on top of the frames. Now, because I put in a little foreign object, the bees aren't too happy with me. So 10 or 12 of them, them will try and get that down through the frames and out the door. And my theory is then, by the time they do this, at least 500, if not more, will have come in contact with the lavender. So that's the other thing. Now, if you have enough of it, you see, what I do is I would have a half an acre of lavender in front of my hives. Now, always remember, bees aren't like a little helicopter. They don't come out the door and go straight up in the air. 
They're like little small aircraft, so they have to build up a bit of height first before they take off. So by doing what I do, they have to pass through the lavender, whether they want to or not, on the way out and on the way back. So that's one thing about the lavender. So it's good to get rid of the varroa mite. It is indeed, yeah, it is indeed. What's lavender honey like? Lavender honey is beautiful. Yeah, because they have that on Cape Clear as well. I just didn't get to taste it. That's right. Oh, it's beautiful. It's it's nice and sweet. It's a nice sweet. It's a lovely colour. It's a sort of a lightish colour. It's beautiful. I want to ask you something different now. I mean, you've been extolling the virtues of lavender and the lovely purple colour. But people are saying to me, and I don't know if there's any truth in it now, and you're the very man to ask, that all this proliferation of honeybees and hives, everybody's becoming a beekeeper, there's honeybee hives everywhere, and they're taking the bite out of the mouths of the bumblebees and the solitary bees, because they're using all the flowers that those creatures would use. So the more honeybees we have, the harder it is on the bumblebees. Now, is there any truth at all in that, or is that a load of raw mage? Well, there's not much truth in it, in so much as, you know, the honeybee doesn't interfere with the bumblebee. Now, as you and I know, there are a lot of flowers, plants and otherwise, which the bees won't go near because, let's say, for example, there's white clover and there's purple clover. Now, the bees, the honeybee will only use the white clover because the purple is too deep for the honeybee to go into the, in to get the nectar. Whereas the bumblebee will, that'll be no problem to the bumblebee. So there is plenty of stuff out there which the honeybee will use and there's plenty of stuff out there which the bumblebee will use. Part of the problem is that during, we say, the COVID, when the COVID came, people were more inclined to go out on nature walks than here, there and whatever. And we were getting in the Federation and both personally then, phone calls from people day and night saying they were out having a little walk here, there, whatever, and all of a sudden then honeybees were coming out of the hedges, coming out of the ground and attacking them. These were not honeybees, these were wasps. And what has happened is we had initially only one type of wasp here, which was a thing called vulgaris. A couple of years ago, this other one came in, which is called germanica. Now, for some reason or other, germanica has decided that instead of building its nest in a shed or out the back or here, there, and whatever, they would build them in these burrows where the bumblebees were living. So they have shoved out quite a lot of the bumblebees out of where they were originating and where they had their nest. So they shoved them out entirely, and that is part of the problem. But leading on from that, as I would say, 200 years ago when I was a young fellow and had hair, I lived up in Dublin up to 20 years ago. And as soon as we left Dublin and we got out to Luke and our leak slip, we were in the country. And when we got beyond that, then when we got as far as Minute, we were in the wilds. And all on the way down, we could see these lovely wildflower meadows. They are all long gone. So that is part of the problem. We need to set up corridors for all types of wildlife. So what happens is, Okay, we all have to agree with progress and so on, but if we have a a case that in a housing estate is going up or an industrial estate is going up, all types of wildlife, including be- little bees, are moved further on down the road. So we have to make allowance for that. Now, to compensate that, for, for the last couple of years, I've been talking day and night 
with county councils about instead of spending a fortune on putting up vibrant flowers, as they call it, at the roundabouts, why not turn it into a wildflower meadow? And I say quite a lot of them have taken up the idea. And it's beautiful to be heading up and you get to one or two roundabouts and instead of having these vibrant flowers looking up, you have a wildflower meadow, which is beautiful. But things like begonias and petunias and roses and tulips, I mean, they're the people have in gardens, they're not ever very attractive to bees. So, I mean, they really are, um, what would you call them, they're, they're Rosie fans or they're Tipperary fans or they're Clare fans because they love the colours purple, which lavender is, and yellow. They're the good colours for flowers for bees. So, I mean, I think when people are doing wildflower meadows, they're the colours of the flowers that appear anyway in them. So they, they work all around and there is a great deal more now of wildflower meadows than there used to be. Anyway, speak to me about rhododendron. Do bees visit rhododendron, honeybees? Do they make honey from it? And is the honey poisonous? What's the story on rhododendron? Now, the thing of it being on the rhododendron, now, you see, like everything is you and I know, there's various varieties of of the rhododendron. Now, um, basically what people talked about was, well, they will go out and they will bring it back. It might poison them, all that sort of crack. So if it's a, if it's a question that it's going to poison them, they will never bring it back to make honey because they won't live that long to come back to the hive bringing in nectar or pollen from the rhododendron. Now, to do an experiment, then up on one of our aviaries, we put up, well, we didn't put them up, they were there already, the rhododendrons, and we, and we more or less had the bees shoved in in between where the rhododendrons were, there was half an acre of it or whatever. Some bees went to it, others didn't. And we never got honey because we got the honey tested at the end of this experiment and there was no there was no trace of rhododendron at all in it. So that's the story there. I don't think they they even bother with it. Oh yeah, so they they have more they have enough sense, or at least they don't make honey from it. But you're saying about testing honey. I mean when you test honey, can you tell where it comes from? Can you tell if it's Irish honey? Can you tell what flowers it's made from? Do we test honey in Ireland? If I go into the supermarket and buy a jar of honey, how do I know it's what it says on the tin at all? Well, that's a very good question. Now, number one, we don't have a laboratory here in Ireland that can test honey. We have a laboratory here in Ireland that can test for residue in the honey, but we have to send it to Germany to get tested. Now, at the moment, there's huge fraud going on with, as we would call it, fraudulent honey. Now... Two thirds, two thirds of the honey that would be on sale in the supermarkets, both here and all over the world, is not from the country of origin. It's, so, in other words, anything here in the supermarkets is not being produced in Ireland. Now, there may be. Now, hang, hang a on very a second, Ken. Amount. Hold, Ken. Hold on a, hold on a second. Go Ken. on. Now, is it claiming to be dainty in Erin? Is it claimed to be made in Ireland? No, it's not, no. So then that's no, okay, not, so long as it's not claiming to be made in Ireland. Yeah, no, it's not claiming to be made in Ireland. So, like, it's a matter of reading the small print. It will say it contains a blend of EU honey and non-EU honey. So then you have to go look and hear there, whatever, and you might see on the top of the jar or on the bottom of the lid, uh, produce of Spain or produce of Chile or yeah, China what's wrong with or whatever. That? But that doesn't mean it's bad honey, Ken. Well, it doesn't, it doesn't mean it's bad honey, but uh, there is the other problem that there was um, an EU directive set up there recently, which included 16 countries, Ireland was included in that, 
which was to look at what they call fraudulent honey. It's included in the number 10 list with the FBI, fraudulent honey. And they have raided several places all over the world and there would be barrels of honey there. Yeah. And then when they get it tested, it's, it's not, not honey, honey at, all. at all. Okay, but that's no. not to say that the honey that's on sale on the shelves in the supermarkets in Ireland, regardless of its origin, is not honey. Oh, no, correct, correct. Oh, no, we're not saying that. There would be a lot of packers here who would buy in several tonne of honey, pack it into, into bottles and sell it wherever, be it farmers markets or supermarkets or whatever. Now, they may blend in some Irish honey in with that to give it an extra bit of flavour or give it more of a flavour or less of a flavour or whatever. So it's not pure 100% honey, yeah. regardless of whether it came from Ireland or next door but, or but whatever. You, you would suggest to people that it's probably best to buy their local honey. That's where you're coming from. It would be because, you see, at least, at least in that respect, we have traceability. Ken, it was lovely to speak with you. And next time you're in Dublin, pop in and say hello. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Derek. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. Good luck.